0: Welcome, welcome. You are now tuned in to the EPB podcast. It's your host as usual, Matt Marshall. EPB podcast is dedicated to growing the sport of soccer in America through bridging cultures around the world. And I have a special guest for us today. I am joined with former professional MLS soccer player, former international professional for the Jamaican reggae boys, uh, owner of OwnTouch and Futsal in Richmond, Virginia, uh, Mr. Greg Simmons. Greg, welcome. I appreciate you coming in, brother. Appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, one thing in, in, in that little intro I forgot to mention, the, the, the number one thing and maybe connection between us, you're also a former Howard Bison uh, of the 95-98 of through 98 soccer team, played with my coach, Michael Lawrence. I just want to start with that really quickly because I love that connection, the Bison. Uh, what was your experience like? uh coming into howard playing for howard coming from jamaica all of all of that at that point
1: no it was uh it was an unbelievable experience for me obviously it's a family tradition my whole fam- majority of my family went there no. uh, i had like cousins there at the same time my uncle rockham goodlett um soul um he was a math professor there um from the '80s, I think '70s, actually, when he graduated, he became a professor there, and he was there until we were all over there. Um, aunts worked at the hospital, um, so it was amazing. Um, with just the, it was just the the school itself, the program, um, friends and cousins all going to Howard and playing on the on the soccer team was unbelievable. Oh, it's a
0: rich tradition of of not just uh, alumni but soccer alumni.
1: Yeah, yeah, my, my cousin Raymond Goodlett, um, who played for the U.S. at the U-17 level when I was playing for the Jamaica U-17 level, uh, we both went to Howard together. Uh, actually, he was a year ahead of me. Um, so, yeah, and then I had, I had two other cousins, three other cousins, <laughs> which Goodlett's, Um so the, my uncle, who's a professor, he had three boys that went to Howard and played on the, on the, on the soccer team uh, when I was there, so yeah it was it was it was unbelievable man
0: yeah yeah howard uh known known world renowned for like rich history and music arts media not a lot of people know about the legacy of the actual soccer team and the uh and the national championships we have as the only black school um mm-hmm. did you know about that going in
1: uh, yes. So when I moved here to the U.S., I went to high school for a couple of years. And yes, during that time, my uncle made it clear we met all those guys um, before I went to Howard, you know, Howard homecoming. And they used to come on. We used to meet with them or they used to just come around and, you know, my uncle introduced us to them. And it was just, yeah, it was incredible. And that was kind of the, 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 the excitement of going to Howard, knowing the legacy that was there with these past players you know, and the, the the nationality they were from the Caribbean. some was from Africa. American guys. So the the whole diversity piece of the international level of the players that were going to Howard, um, and then adding the history of Howard University was it was like, <laughs> could express the feel when I got accepted to go to Howard University.
0: Yeah, it all it all really came together. Now, did you play for the international Jamaican international team while you were at Howard? How did that work?
1: Yeah, so I played the whole all the youth teams up to U-20s and then the senior reggae boys, yes, when I was, when I was through in 97, 98, even after that, yes. Um, I was, I was on the, the World Cup pool to, when Jamaica got qualified to the 98 World Cup, I was in the pool and it was one of those decisions as a young player, um, do I give up our university to commit full time to the game? That was one of the requirements from the coach but as a family that wasn't really a, <laughs> an option so so i didn't i didn't pursue that because I, obviously it's just in the pool doesn't mean you're gonna make the team and have to take a whole year off to really commit to commit to soccer so it wasn't the decision that we made as a family so
0: for sure and i like that you said as a family because it does make me think about i mean especially i mean uh, 90s black man <laughs> You know it's always education first in America you know so that you have kind of whatever credential you need to to not just be stifled you know what I mean so that I can imagine I mean obviously in this day and age and people seeing uh, young kids going pro um, and chasing their dreams uh, I understand that that like could be a very big decision but again back then um, slightly different um, and and clearly, it didn't you know ruin your professional career. You were still able to go on and play professionally and play at the highest level.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was d- different times. Um, again, it wasn't even a it wasn't even a um, tough decision for me as well. <laughs> so as as a young kid, dreamed of playing at the highest level. Um, at that time, that wasn't even like I was mad. You know what I mean? It was. It was different times, but today with my own son, it would be a different conversation. I think I'll be more open, i look at everything, but back then, you know, graduating from Harvard University was, <laughs> was like playing a World Cup, so. Yeah, that's gold. <laughs>
0: that's yeah. Cool. Speaking of which, would you rather, this is a random question that just popped in my head, just like you said, playing in the World Cup. As a player, if you had the opportunity to play in a MLS Cup uh, championship, um, would you rather do that, or would you rather uh go to the World Cup and see Jamaica play in the final?
1: Ooh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me to play the MLS Cup final. Yes. Or watch Jamaica play in the final.
0: Or watch the Reggae Boys uh, play in the final.
1: As a footballer, I would play in the in the final for sure. Fast. I can watch that on TV anytime, but for me to get an opportunity to play in a in the MLS Cup final for sure.
0: Thank you. I, I have a debate going on with some some people here and, and you know it just helps me weed out the true ballers, you know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> we gotta play.
1: That was a tough decision.
0: Yeah, that's not too tough. Um, no. so so I, I wanna talk a little bit about just kind of your professional trajectory, but more in the terms of just you know the the best part about talking to you is the experience you have and and what you've seen, especially in American soccer over what the last twenty thirty years. Um, and you know, as you kind of went throughout, I I, I want to say you played for the the not the Richmond Kickers, but the you know you started in Hershey, um, you know you touched my Miami, DC United, Richmond Richmond Kickers, Charleston Battery, Men's all up the the East Coast. Um, uh, yeah. You know some, some, you know, some of these teams that I'm even naming are no longer around. Um, yeah. they, were, they were probably big teams when, when you were jumping on. Um, yeah. And again, this is what, the late 90s. So the MLS had only been around for, what, eight, eight or so years. How have you seen professional soccer in the United States grow since you were a part of it? And, um, you know, what do you think that that's attributed to?
1: No, nah, it's growing leaps and bounds, man. I mean, we all my past players, um, teammates, we talked about um, we we're part of sacrificing or, you know, get this game going in this country because when we were playing, we loved it. I mean, it was it, during that time, it is what it, it was. But I'm um, looking where it is today. It was like, wow, if we didn't sacrifice and do what we did, the game wouldn't be where it is today. But it's. It's 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 massive. Man. It's a big 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 jump. Totally different um, from when we played, and it's going to only continue to grow. Yeah. Um, you know, just even when we played in the in Hershey, you know that league was pretty big back then because that you know, against MLS was brand new. Um, but it wasn't what MLS is today. Yeah, um, and even when I played in the, in Miami Fusion for that for that one year. MLS was probably ten percent of what it is today. It's a massive difference. Yeah. Um, but now it's it's. I feel good because we feel like we're a part of the growth. Um, I was in that era that was very early, and very excited about what we did, um, and how we sacrificed. But it's it's been great, man. I mean, we're at the soccer is today. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. You got into coaching kind of after your professional career. How did that end up?
1: No, I when I finished playing, actually while I was still playing, um, I just I got involved with one of the local clubs here in Richmond, like in the off season, um, just a regular travel club. Um, so, I, you know, I took up a U10 thing. I think it was U10 or U11, um, and just started getting involved just to get the landscape and you know get us understanding of what soccer is and the in the club level so uh, you know I was coaching a team of you I think I think it was U10s so they're probably eight nine year olds yeah. um, and uh, you know the, these kids couldn't control and pass it was just a basic technique of things that they couldn't do um, they were training twice a week for an hour and a half um, and playing games on the weekend and that was it um, so for me coming from Jamaica playing on the streets is all a technique it's juggling and dribbling and being very creative. That's my nature of, of the love of the game. That's how I was brought up. Um, so I just i couldn't follow them seeing these kids could even connect to class. They could definitely couldn't juggle to three. Um, so I found myself more interested in doing that. So my practices was mainly all technical work and getting them getting them to enjoy the game, do little tricks here, and just let them be free and enjoy. Um, so I noticed a couple of the parents were starting to not really like that um and we're starting to complain with the directors because they were saying i wasn't really preparing the kids for the games on the weekend we'll have a game but we didn't do any tactical stuff or make sure kids know their positions <laughs> like hold up so the director came to me um with this concern um and i'm like are you serious right now he's like you know i i understand what you're trying to do but you know, these parents are customers, they're paying us, we got to keep them happy. Um, wow. So I'm like, uh, bro, this is this is backward, this is not me, this is not. So that's kind of when I got to realize the type of coach I will want to be or the kind of environment I want to be around. Um, but it became a problem, I and mean, parents were really upset because um, I didn't care about the games on the weekend, these are U 10s. I mean, it's I don't care about winning a game. It's about just going out and being free and enjoying a game. My um, kids are loving the sessions. They were fine. You know, it's never the kids. It's the parents. So um, I just told him at the end that this you know, this is not of any interest to in me. I just found myself doing more small side training, just helping individuals because I saw the love in, the, in their eyes from doing these things because I make it fun. And I just saw the improvement little by little. And then I just realized this is kind of what I want to do. Did all my license year after year, retired and got my U.S. Pro A license and all the clubs, you know, offered me director roles. And I'm like, nah, this is this, this, I call it actually country club vibe where hmm. you just pay a ton. you try trying to keep up with the Joneses and everybody's got to play and, you know, parents are telling me what to do. I'm like, nah, this ain't for me. So... I just just started enjoying doing my little small groups, you know, group of kids, and saw them enjoying it, just saw their improvement. They go back to the teams. They were improving their teams. So I'm like, this is just my niche in the game. Um, There's no way I could be involved with any club where the board is telling me, like, yo, we have to to win games. So I was like, I don't want to be a part of that culture because I know – once you get tied up in that, then you might change your ways because now it's it's about a paycheck. And I never wanted this game to ever be about a paycheck for me. So, so yeah. Then I started my small groups and then just grew. And then I was like, listen, uh, you know, being on soccer fields and it rains, it cancels. I'm like, I gotta find a way to do this where it's it's more rounded. It's for every kid, don't care what you know. If they never played a game before, it's just kids that love. I want to be a part of soccer and you know. Help them in the bit develop individually, not collectively for a team or a group. Just so, I just fell in love with that man, and I started a own touch, which is you know you own your first and your last touch on your pit on the pitch, like on the field and in life, because it's for me it's more mm-hmm. trying to build a whole it um, to the game of. So the game of soccer. So it's started that, which is an indoor facility. You just pay a a minimum monthly fee and you're able to come in and train as much as you want. with different, like-minded kids. Um, Mm. So I've been doing that for 12 years. It's it's been massive, it's unbelievable. Um, All the local clubs did not, weren't a fan of it to start. But now they came around, you know, they thought I was going to start a club and be competitive with them. I'm like, I'll never do that because it doesn't make sense. Start another club. Um, and compete and stress the kids out yeah so that did that and it's just been growing it started you know the whole culture has changed to be honest since I started that now the clubs are believing in the technical side of it parents understand the game more now understand that it's all about their kid when I said you know individually and then collectively when 8, 9, 10, 12, 15 of the kids are doing this the team will become better and that's that's what it's about at the end of the day yeah. um to help the team because if you're committed to a team you gotta bring your game so what do I do I gotta get make sure my game's tight and everybody has that mindset Then the team's gonna be fine yeah um, so it's been great man it's been awesome ton of, ton of quality of have come out of Richmond now
0: yeah that 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 individualized performance I mean you know especially between like what like 8 and like 14 um, yeah it's, it's, it's so necessary what a like go back a little bit and, and give me a comparison because I hear this This all the time that clubs are only focused on winning because if they win they get the best players and if they get the best players they get more money and you know it's like that vicious pay to play cycle in America. Um, But you growing up in Jamaica, like give me a little comparison to that. Did you ever see that at all? Were you you know obviously you said you grew up on the streets playing soccer. You were playing with friends, maybe more less structured. Was there structured ball at a young age? And you know were there games that you you know needed to play to win? Like,
1: so we never. I never got on a team in Jamaica. Mm. Uh, first competitive games will start at U twelve, so there was nothing before that. There was no club. There was no team. Um, but if you're eight and you're good enough, you can play on the U twelve team, right? So you'll have younger guys just playing on that. But that, you know, that wasn't. You didn't have a U eight team. You didn't have a U ten team where you actually have competitions and leagues going on. Um and that was probably for only three months of the year anyway, right? Everything was seasonal, different sports, different seasons of the year. Yeah. Um so we were, just, we were but soccer was a popular sport. You even even if you don't have a team, you're always playing with your friends in the park or in the garden or on the streets. Uh, but the pay there's no you don't pay to play any sport um when I was growing up. Right. Um so it was yeah. You know, it's it was just everybody who, if you're good enough, I mean, you get on the team level. If you're good enough to be on a team, you're on a team. Yeah. You know, we had we had teams in, high, in 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 like elementary school prep school where it's class, so your class plays you until the class. I um, Obviously, that's free. That's just within the school system. Um, and if you know you 12, you I think you 14. They started you 14 at the club level. Mm. You 12 was more high school. Like we start high school at seventh grade have you know, a u13 league um so yeah it was it wasn't no pay to play it was none of that stuff man and if yeah, i think the, when it came to U 17 and stuff like if you're the better player people will push you to come to the team right. but it's not um you know there's no there was no system to pay to play that was baffling to me and then what was what was very baffling too is like the better players here end up paying more right <laughs> you know <laughs> trying to do so much to keep up it's you pay more, and the, the higher level you pay within the club. If you're a top elite player, you're paying top elite money, which is it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> still backward. That's backward. Still backwards.
0: Up- upwards of of like five thousand, ten thousand dollars. If you're playing, if you're traveling around the states, or in, you know playing on the
1: clubs oh, with get to twenty a certain level. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah. For sure.
0: Then getting your kids in. Um, how was that? Like okay, now 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 you're coaching. You've got own touch. You know, obviously, you've probably already had some of your kids, uh, you know, during and before that. But in terms of wanting to develop I, and, I, and I'm going I'm to give you like a personal spin on this. And this is something me and my friends always say. I wonder if you were growing up saying this like, "Yo, I cannot wait to have my kids because they're about to be monsters. I'm about to have them in the gym all day. This and that. Yeah. Like, what, what's the actual feeling when you know when you're a dad and, you know, obviously, you've had your career. Um, and maybe even your, you, you know, your kids, your daughter, your son take interest in soccer. You know, what's that? What's that initial feeling?
1: You know, I I don't know if it's because I was in coaching youth and see what the parents are like, yeah, uh, and how much that affected their own kids. They were so passionate about it to the point where, again, it was just all about winning. Um, why it molded me to the point where I never. I never push my kids into playing the game. Um, we'll just go out and have fun with it. Um, but for instance, my firstborn, which is Cameron, um, she never played. She started playing soccer at 12 years old, um, which I already had on touch. We already kids coming in, developing, and having a good time. She used to just come and sit behind the desk with the secretary and just color and hang out. She never wanted to touch a ball. Um, but my young my Nicholas was my second born he was always playing but it wasn't I wouldn't say I I didn't I didn't push him at all I think I think I realized that what was going on in this country and the mindset and the culture that I didn't want that for my own kids um, because I love and respect the game so much that my parents never pushed me they never really come to practice they probably come to some games here or there again it wasn't parent-driven sport when I grew up yeah um so it was more I wanted them to fall into love in the game for themselves like I did and not push it onto them because again I love the game so much that if you're not fully into it I rather you're not ready to do it you know what I mean because you're going you're not representing the game properly in my uh, you know in my eyes so no my kids never I mean my Bought well, my twin boys are playing. Nicholas play, but when he was younger, obviously as a dad, uh, going back to your point, once they start playing, obviously you're gonna, you, the dad's gonna kick in. You want the best for them. You're gonna, you know, challenge them some games. You're like, what the hell are you doing out there, man? Come on, you know. What I mean, that kicks in. Yeah. Um, but it's not to the point where I was like, I told him even at that point, like if you if you're not gonna give 100, percent don't do it because again, for me, that's life lessons. Right. Yeah. You use the game for provide life lessons for them because anything you do in life you gotta be doing that you know 100% and for us you know we gotta do it even more Right. so that's the mindset I try to create in in, in my family but once once like Cameron told me she fully engaged and this is what she wants then it was full on for me I was in that mood now like yo let's go every day we training killing it you know no days off kind of deal because that's when I am like alright let's go get it because she had that mentality she had that attitude she had a work ethic, so I could go really hard with her.
0: And, you know, naturally that <laughs> that manifested into something great as Cameron's now uh, made the Reggae Girls and, and is headed to the World Cup. Um, and, and your son as well has is, is now signed his uh, first professional contract. But b- before we get further into that, I, I, I want to stick with the parents angle uh, for a second because it's something I... I I actually don't talk about as much as much as I talk about youth soccer and development. I don't talk about the parents' influence on the game and and their children's careers um, and lives uh, as much. But I have been in positions where I've seen just cr- like madness. You know, I mean, you you hear about it, madness on the sidelines. You know, at like you said, U8 games. You know, you got parents. Oh, this is a foul. You know, harassing the referees and stuff like that. <laughs> what would you, what, you know, what would the ideal situation for, you know, as a coach, um, you know, that what would you want to tell parents, um, you know, who are interested in developing their kids?
1: Yes, I can tell you this for a fact. You know, we blame U.S. soccer. We blame um, the coaching, the pay to pay. We blame all of that stuff. But I don't think we blame the parents enough because I think the parents are the ones that. Destroy a lot of quality players. Um, wow! With with the way they push their kids, the way they they think their kids are just better than every kid, the way yeah. they talk down to coaches, the way they just you know selfish. Um, they don't let the kids just go with their teammates, leave them, let them go play and just have fun. Especially at a young age, it's about just going to have fun. Once it comes to a you know, 13, 14, when it's, you know, you see wherever the level they're at, then you can kind of start chiming in a little bit. But at a young age, these parents are like going home, in the car talking about about the team, about teammates, that this this kid's dad is on, is terrible. The referees are this, the coach is that. It's just all negativity. And that's what kids kill the love and the, the joy of the game for a lot of our players. And it's a major problem.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I don't think it's just in soccer either. I think it's just youth sports in general. Um, but I think that's a big problem. Um, and it's hard for coaches to really coach when they're, they're, you know, a kid's coming to training, hearing all this negativity in the car on their way to practice. You know, he's going to – the poor kid is confused, don't want to listen to his coach because, you know, if he listens to his coach and play this way and he goes in the car, the dad's going to crush – you know I mean? It's just – it's a total disaster, to be honest. It crushes the game, crushes the kids. So much time the kids, again, get wasted. Because of that, so every conversation I've had um, with any parent, you know, I tell them, because again, being a parent is not easy. What I say I've caught myself in that situation before? Absolutely, because as a parent, you want the best for your kid. If you see anything negative, you're gonna, and that's not gonna help your kid, you're gonna put on your parent hat and just start going crazy. So I've learned through these parents how to actually parent my kid better when it comes to <laughs> coming to Coach, yeah, helping them out because at the end of the day, they have to love it, man. They have to want to play. If they're not giving 100% or they're just not willing to go to practice, don't let them play the game. Go try something else. It's as simple as that. We get so emotional with our kids. And a lot of these parents try to live their lives through their kids when it comes to the game because they wanted to achieve something in the game, some of them played and never really achieved much. So they want to, you know, make sure that their kid gets to be the next messy and overdo it and overkill it. And the parent, the kids just quit after 15 or just not interested, they get burned out. So it's a big problem, which I think we need to talk about more. And I don't think, I think the parents are just ignorant to the whole process. So nobody's really mentoring the parents of how to really manage your kid's journey. You know, I will not even blame them because again, I was once. So I got caught in that a couple of times because as a parent, He's just won the best. So you get, you get all the start saying certain things <laughs> or, uh, challenging kids so much that you you gotta forget he's a kid. You know, he's yeah. not it's 20 yeah. years old. So again, it's, it's not fully bashing appearance, but that's a problem. A lot of these clubs yeah. need to do better. Your soccer needs to do better is educating the parents as well. So again, everything is all, is all holistic trying to not, you can't point fingers in one ear. We all have a part to play.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Everything has to play. I'm I'm curious what we you keep saying you got caught up in it. What what were you caught up in? Were you coming at coaches or, or coming directly at
1: me never coaches. I challenge my kids always. Oh, exactly. I never kids. spoke to a coach um, about yeah. my our club. Um it's it's about if my kids just not giving a hundred percent. He's out there just hanging out. Like I have a problem with that. Yeah. Um the one thing you can do and you, you, you can control is your effort. And that's the minimal thing that I expect from, from my kids. Um, if you're not playing because you're giving a hundred percent percent and you're doing well and you're not playing, then I might step in, but I don't see coaches doing that really. Um, um, you know, so if my kid's not playing much, I think it's because you didn't earn the spot. You got to earn your spot. You got to be pre- performing. I don't believe because I'm paying. You should be playing. That's not my mindset. I understand the system. I'm paying because that's the culture in. But I wouldn't tell a coach. I would never say to a coach, hey, I'm paying all this. My kid needs to play. If my kid's performing, then absolutely yes. But if I see him out there just hanging out, not interested, no, sitting on a bench. Yeah. So I go off on my kids for that stuff. I'm, never, I'm not the type. I'm not gonna mess with the coaches or the club. I think responsibility as a parent to make sure my kids prepared, um, are ready to play and perform and be one of the best on the team and on the field at all times. And if that's not happening, then I'll take my kids to the side and I'll figure it out. But yeah, I go hard on I'll go hard on my kids when there's no effort. If you make mistakes, make bad passes, I don't care about that, but the effort piece is a big one for me.
0: That's big. Effort and, and personal responsibility piece is, is something I grew up with. You know, my dad would always pull me to the side, never talk to coaches uh, or talk. anything. Um, it was always his, his understanding of how much I'm giving. So I, I completely understand that. But I do remember one story in my upbringing where that's, that's how my dad typically was. He would come to me, but we came, we showed up, I re- I'll never forget it. We showed up to a, a youth soccer game. This must have been U10, maybe U12. Um, and, and we were late, and I remember being kind of a little agitated with my dad that day, like, we got to get to the game, come on, let's get to the game. He's like, man, it's down the street, we got there. So we get to, we get to the game, um, we are a little late, but, you know, it, I, you know I have to kind of, the team's warming up, and then I jump in the warm-up and everything, um, and then I, I get sat on the bench that game, and uh, I remember distinctly, again, my dad doesn't talk to the coaches, he doesn't you know, put responsibility on anybody else, he puts it on us but I, I remember him walking directly across the field in the middle of the game while I was on the <laughs> end of the bench and he comes up to the coach and he starts telling him, hey, this is racist. My kid is at every practice on time. My kid's at every game giving 110% and we are a little bit late for this one game and you're starting these kids that I've never seen before. Like I remember right. him saying that. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up, other than it's just a really, uh, it's, it's a, a story that kind of shaped me and my history is I'm curious from from a general sense, being in this country, if you've ever experienced that as a parent or player, just uh, one of those systemic barriers that just kind of you know might might keep you down and, it, and honestly and I'll, and I'll say in my story, it wasn't a cle- it wasn't clear racism. you know it I was late. The coaches say, "Hey, don't be late to games," and that's what it is, but there was something he kind of knew, right? There was something he kind of felt where it's like, nah this is yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So no, I totally get your dad. and I'll probably be that same guy, like I'll, for sure, if any situation like that. That's when you step in. That's a parent's job at that point yeah. to get everything. Um, but I think I had a lot of that when I first moved to the country. But my family was so again, I was so ignorant of racism, and mm-hmm. that that wasn't even a word in Jamaica. Yeah. Um, So I didn't really fully understand. I just think people just were bad or good and they didn't like you because they just, you know, well, I don't know. But it wasn't racism. Race was was the first thing that on my mind. But apparently I went through a bunch of that. But I didn't know. Yeah. They covered it. You know, they didn't want me to to get involved with, you know, was that mindset. So it affects me in school and, you know, wanted to go back to Jamaica and just ready to get out of here. They just try to cover that a lot. Even my parents didn't fully understand the severity of it, but I did have some, you know, later on, they were trying to, you know, when I got older and mature, they start expressing certain things. Um, And one of them was I, so I moved, when I moved into with my cousins and we went to a local high school which wasn't a top high school for soccer at the time but my cousins moved in that area the same year i i moved in with them so we all went there at the same time and we just dominated um and i just remember one game i was about to go on the field um and the referee was like you can't you can't play i was like i was i think it was 15 16. It was my first year in america yeah i was i came here i was 15 mm-hmm. turned 16 in december so i was 15 but i he came and was like you can't play so i'm like i don't know what you're talking about so i caught i told my cousin the coach and then he referee was talking to the my coach at the time and i had to sit so my uncle was on the way from howard university and they called him and he was fired up <laughs> he was like What so he came and um he was on the field and going off on the ref and I'm like, what's going on? And then apparently I didn't cut long story short school board called and said I was illegal. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm not in the, I'm over age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and come to find out it was like a parent from the opposite team that we were playing. Cause we were playing like a top team.
0: Yeah.
1: And the parent was somebody on my club team but they knew a little bit history right yeah apparently they're the ones that call the school board and all this yeah it was crazy i mean the next game i was playing because i wasn't illegal but the point is that's so bad got and i didn't even know about this yeah. i didn't know about it's a long long like you know they just told me there were some complications with the paperwork when i first got here that just kept it simple to me i didn't know um but then yeah there's stuff at schools my spanish my english my spanish teacher didn't put in any of my grades yeah apparently it was a lot more they didn't still haven't told me the whole detail yeah. but yeah i experienced a lot of it which i was grateful that they kept it away from me because i would have definitely packed up and got back home because i left home my parents everybody you know yeah so and it was real so i now i look back and i'm like wow wow
0: I try to I so I try to highlight that but I I I hear you and and I agree with you it's almost like the the one of the many paradoxes of of being black in this world if you focus too much on it on racism or just those prejudices then it can eat you alive and it will you know you'll quit you'll go home you'll you know it you won't want to 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 push through it um but if you're completely unaware of it it's almost the opposite you know
1: yeah thing my uncle told me, though, when I first came off the plane and jumped in his car, he was like, welcome to America. You have to be two three times better. I'm like, what? You got to be two times better. Yeah. Facts. Facts.
0: I'm like,
1: what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then he didn't really get into it. He was just trying to, and then as we, you know, as we got to 16, 17, he started explaining racism and why this and why that. don't know, but gotta be two times better you gotta turn in your grades like three four days before if possible whatever you just gotta be you just gotta you cannot you're not gonna get away with stuff you're not gonna get you know second third chances i'm like wow um so that was all even today that's just i just gotta be unbelievable and everything i try to do the same thing i try with my kids we just have to be two times better to get a fair shot and it's real today is the same thing you know it's real it's not i tell all my white friends the same it's it's just what it is It it's is. just how we society we're in and it, it helped motivate me and motivate us. so we use that as a positive, but it's really not good. but yeah you can take the positive out of it and and move on.
0: Yeah, it, you know it creates it breeds more excellence uh, yeah, and you just take the lessons where you learn. But I, I, yeah, it's always an interesting thing and again, even in your story, it's the parents or somebody's parent who yeah. you know thinks that they have some ability to control the system uh in a way and um
1: you know over one side it's because we were playing their team which is they were number one and we were like number two and and we end up beating the team anyway we end up beating them without without me on the field because mm. we were very good too so it was <laughs> they, they didn't get you on the field didn't work out for that yeah it
0: didn't work out they tried to, they got one they were like oh shit. yeah um yeah. so yeah let's 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 talk about let's talk about your kids a little bit i mean again i mean first and foremost congratulations I know it's uh, it's definitely got to be a proud moment as a as a father, especially a, a former reggae boy, to see uh, your, your oldest uh, embark on that journey and now kind of go represent your country in the World Cup. This has been, she's been on this team for now, how long, for uh, almost a year or six months?
1: About, hey, well, what are we, in summer? I think she went to South Korea with them um, early January, maybe? Wow. December? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she played, so she played, um, she got invited to the U-17s, then COVID crushed that, um, and then she played with the U-20s in the CONCACAF um, World Cup qualifier a year and a half ago, and then the senior team popped up like seven months ago. Call her, she got invited to their, their camp that they were, they were going to South Korea to play South Korea two games, um, and then the rest is history so far. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Now she went. She's in the NCAA, the college system. correct? Yeah, she's playing for Tennessee.
1: She, she, she plays for Tennessee first freshman year. Yeah. Um, uh, this this fall was her first year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I imagine that this there will be some some crazy exposure at the World Cup uh, that might land her maybe an NIL deal or or something along those lines. What? <laughs> I, this is something I don't even have a concept of, and I, you know, I was in college maybe ten, fifteen years ago. Um, is that even anything you you're prepared for, or do you guys take things day by day and just want her to play um, and and do the best she can?
1: Yeah, it's we're the type that we'll just go with the flow and whatever comes in front of us, we we try and tackle it and see if it's in the best interest of who we are and what we're about. So the NIL deals, she has a small one with with a, um, I think it's Hoffenheim, a club in Germany that's doing this grassroots, um, girl, girl soccer movement in, in yeah. Tennessee.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, wanted her to be the face of it and be an ambassador, go out and just, you know, encourage, um, young black girls in the community and just go out and you know, have some, you know, do some clinics with them and just talk with them, encourage them, invite them to just to, you know, to start a program, which I thought was, as I like, camera well we will paid to do that. They yeah. didn't have to pay us to do that one. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but it was pretty cool. That one, I think she's, when she gets back, she'll actually start that one. Um But yeah, anything else other than that, you know, it's, we are just day by day, man, whatever. It's not something that we're saying, oh, we need to find, we need to go get this done. Oh, this is a great opportunity. That's just, you know, put some effort into this. Now her job is on the field and school, so if whatever flows with that, we we, we uh we'll, we'll we'll see what it looks like and see what's in the best interest of, of her growth and development.
0: Yeah. How how long have you been watching this team and and how what do you think you know what do you hope to see them do at the this World Cup?
1: Yes, we've been following them for a while. I remember when first when Cameron first so this Cameron start playing the game because we went to. We went to Philadelphia to watch Jamaica play U.S. the men's, um, I think it was in the Gold Cup or, or Qualifier maybe. It was a big game. It was at least 60,000 people there. Um, and it took, it was me and her and a, a good friend of mine, we, we drove up. And, you know, we obviously went in Jamaica gear. She made a flag and it was excitement. Um, but then she... That's when she looked at me at a game, and she was like, Dad, I want to play in front of a crowd like this one day. She wasn't playing soccer at the time. I'm like, what? what? She said, yeah. I'm like, all right, let's go. So from then is where we, you know, on the girls' side, obviously we follow the, the men all the time. That's when we start following the women's side. Um, and then she start watching <laughs> So we watched them in the World Cup qualifiers. We watched them in their the last World Cup. Um, so we've been following them. Um, and it's the difference with the team now than the team before. It's a lot more professional players that's played at a high level oh. um, in Europe. Balanced it with at least I think it's six six younger girls. which, which The coach is doing an unbelievable job because he's just... You know, bringing these girls along for the future because they're quality young players giving them the experience to build on for the future. Um, so it's a balance. There's, you know, Bunny Shaw is probably one of the best strikers in the world today. She's at Man City, um, leading scorer in that league. And then you have, you know, I think it's like three or four others that plays in the in English Premier League and on the women's side. So it's pretty cool, man. It's a great experience. She's loving it. You know, they're, they're the senior girls really look out for all the younger girls. They feel very welcome, respected. Um, I don't think age is, an, is, a, is a factor. Yeah. Not because they're in college and not playing professionally, treated differently. No, she said it's been amazing. Um, just the whole vibe and culture of, of the girls' program. Um, and that's all because of Sadella Marley. i got to really give her a shout-out and big up because she's the one that really runs the program. Wow. She doesn't really get... Was support by the Federation. Um, so she started a foundation, a um, regular girls foundation that helps not just the team, but young girls around the world, actually, as a whole. So she's put in a lot um, to give these girls an opportunity. So now it's going to be good, man. I think, you know, they have issues with the Federation funding, yeah. you know, travel issues sometimes, just a little stuff that, you know, can derail you a little bit. Um, so hopefully they can put that behind them and uh, just make us proud. They have a tough group, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. There's a big surprise upset in that in that round.
0: Yeah, I, it's funny you mentioned that the, the, the issues of the Federation. I did see a statement that came out um, almost in support of the Rega girls because of, I guess, financial deficiencies uh, from the organization. Um, obviously they're still going to the World Cup so they have what they
1: need but I think they're taking it as you know that's just life there's going to be challenges there's going to be um, things that happen that you don't want or don't approve of but it's life right you have to your job is to perform in the field whatever field you get to train on just go do your best Um, use this as a motivation to, to prove the doubters and haters wrong the ones that don't believe you use this as a motivation so kind of what I expressed to Cameron and I think that's the vibe amongst the team so we'll see man we hope for the best for me it's just uh, it's just incredible that Cameron started playing soccer seven years ago and is already playing in the World Cup like for right. me I know you as a soccer guy can get it but some people don't understand the magnitude of that I mean the World Cup like every kid dream of
0: the playing stage.
1: in the, the biggest you know, ultimate you don't get bigger than that so how are you there seven years already like yeah. what yeah you know it's, i don't think she fully understands which is good so she won't get nervous um hopefully my now she, she just landed there yesterday so maybe the whole vibe start to kick in but she is just having a good time you know which is which is which is, is amazing for me to see how happy she is when i started start playing at 12 she was playing like on the lowest team travel team but their coach was just unbelievable it was just all vibes He didn't you know it was just all fun play wherever you want just you know have fun but she just she just started doing some things with the game with the ball um, and just athleticism i'm like no something is here in her work i think so the mindset for me or mental side of the game for me was that's what separated her i didn't even look at her you know what she's actually doing on the field yet it's just her mindset you know, she put on the jersey. She's on a team. She's gonna give one hundred percent, one hundred fifty percent. That's just who she is. And then mm-hmm. start watching her some more, and start seeing some things that she's doing. Like based off instinct, I'm like, nah, something's here. She got second it. year. Second year, she tried out um, for the elite team and didn't make it. So she made the second team, which for me is fine. I mean, um, she needed to develop more technically. Um, and then, again, we weren't rushing it. She was just happy. It was her friends that was on the second team anyway from the first. So she didn't want to leave them anyway. So it worked out. And, again, so that's when I helped volunteer coach with the coach because sometimes he'll be missing practice because he was a college coach. So then the vibes again was amazing. But during that season, I'm like, nah, she needs she needs another challenge. So there was the East NL team, Richmond United, that was the top top tier at that time, um, still is. So I just reached out to the director. Um, I just said, listen, my daughter, you know, I think you need to look at her, not because it's my daughter, I think you need to really look at her. Because he was a developer like me. He's about development. He likes talent and development. So he, he brought her into training. She, he said, oh, shoot, yeah, I see it, man. Bring her back. Wow. So he brought her. played a game against the elite team. So she was on the second team, Right. And then she got she invited to train with the Richmond United that same season, just a couple of practices. And then one of the practices, she played against the elite team for Richmond United. It was so he wanted to see her in a game setting. Um, so she played against the elite team and did unbelievable. Raw, obviously, she's raw, right? Technically, you know, that stuff, but you can tell, like, wow, we need to grab this and develop her. Mm-hmm. So in, after the game, the elite coach went up to the Richmond United coach and said, Who's that girl? And the, the Richmond United coach is like, "What do you mean? Who's that girl? Is she on your team?" He's like, "No, I don't know who she is. Yeah, you know, but she tried out for his team, but he didn't pick her. But he didn't even know she was in the club. <laughs> so he, it was, it was, a, it was they were embarrassed because I knew this whole time, but I wasn't that guy that's gonna. And I'm like, yeah, she played. You know, she came up for your trials, but you didn't pick her. You didn't even know who she is. She's in the club, but you don't even know who she is. But anyway, so she went out to play Richmond United, and then she just flourished from there and. You know, had full rights to so a lot of top colleges, chose Tennessee because uh, the coaches were more personable. They, they, you know, she met all the coaches mm-hmm. and it, they cared about her, they cared about us and the family. You know, they knew our names, they knew everything about the twins. Yeah. So they were, they were invested in the family first. We never talked soccer till later on, which was huge to us because it's not about going to the best program, it's about going somewhere where... She's known, respected, you know. So once you reach out and get to know us as a family, that means you get to know Cameron. So when she gets there, you know, she's passed a lot of the. Oh, I didn't know this. I didn't know that. You know. So there, so that meant a lot to us. And that's kind of reason we we chose uh, Tennessee. But yeah, it's for where she is, man. It's incredible. Trust me. I will. I don't think I fully grasp it. I don't think until I go to Australia and see her, like, yeah. <laughs> About well, to go on the field, I don't know how I'm going to act at that yeah. point. Man. I
0: mean, like you said, it's a tough group. Brazil, France, Panama in the group with Jamaica. Like you said, you don't know what's going to happen. And I don't want to put too much out there anyway. But, I mean, and I've seen your Instagram. You have it on Instagram, her first goal, which was amazing. A, a, a perfectly slotted home goal. You know, you could hear, like, the love and the pride in your voice. Imagine this, that same scenario if you were able to see her score in a, her first World Cup. I mean, can you- Again, I I
1: said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, to be honest, between you and I, and everybody that's gonna be listening, but I actually, I actually cause I'm on, I envision, like I'm a visionary, right? I envision stuff. I see long term, I see ahead. And when I played, I used to envision myself scoring and how I'm gonna score. And I said, Cameron, I can see it. Don't be alarmed. I can see you scoring a winning goal against France mm. or Brazil. Mm. I can see it. Why not? Why not think huge? Why not? Absolutely. Right? Think about it. Sit down, meditate, see yourself scoring. Why not? I can see it. I think you have the ability. Shock the whole world. That's right. Why not? Go yeah. for it, man. Be free. Just think that, put that in your mind and let's go for it. Um but why not? There's no reason why not. I mean, this is a a
0: young girl only started really playing soccer seven years ago, and uh, and her trajectory, you know, is limitless.
1: Yeah, but one thing though, I think, and I want to make sure people understand it. I tell parents, I don't think they fully grasp. Even though she started playing seven years ago, the amount of work that she's put in for those seven years is worth her whole career. Like if she started at nine or eight years old, seven years old. So I don't want people to think it was an easy road.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, she, we woke up. Or, Cause I, so when, when I realized who she is in our work ethic then I could just go hard and she was like, let's go, let's go. So it was fun. But the amount of hours she's put in, I mean, we train all the time mm. because I didn't want her to be that big, fast kid. Um, that you just kick and she runs. I want her to be more rounded, you know, technically she can do it all. Right. So we had to put in a lot of hours to, she had to catch up technically compared to everybody else, you know? And that's my philosophy anyway. That's why I believe you need to be technical. You got to have a touch. Yeah. So let's see my, you know, I just, again, I told her go have fun. You, you put in the work, um, you know, you're still young. This is an unbelievable experience for you just to be in there. Even if you don't get on the field, it's just it's priceless um, for you to be in an environment like that. And w- once you leave, I am sure the fire would be even more for you. Um, and we just keep we just keep pushing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And before we get out of here, I, 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 I'd I be remiss to not shout out your other sons. Uh, you, you're, I want to say he's 16, 17 year old son, Nicholas.
1: Yeah, Nicholas, 17, no, 16, sorry. 16, yeah. He's 17 in December. He's now um, grown into himself. We've been doing a lot of um, strength and conditioning work with with Onyx, which is a local strength and conditioning program that Aguchi Anonyewu owns. Mm. I don't know if you remember him, the oh, legend. Yeah. Um, legend. He owns it here locally. He has his partner, Chris Gores, that runs it. So Nick's been with him. Cameron has been with them for, year, for four years. Um and then Nick's been with them for the past year. And against the last six months, he's just been the next level. Like college like huge college coaches are reaching out and they're like, Where are you from? Where were you playing? Where did you come from? Like where <laughs> oh, we never heard of you. But he's in. He's all in. He's he's passionate. He loves the game from day one. On. Um, but he just looked at me a couple of days ago like, Dad, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, Why? Man? I'm getting so much attention now. And but he's that kid though. He can have a camera he's she's more herself she doesn't like the limelight but he 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 thrives off that now that he's actually getting some love that he's never really gotten before respect from coaches that he never got before mm. so i'm like bro you it man this is, you know now you gotta again be two times better
0: yeah amazing transition too when you start to realize who you know who you think you are who you've been trying to be this this whole time yeah. and then you got two twins uh younger ones are, are these all strikers by the way you're you breeding a family full of strikers
1: Nah, yeah, you know what? Nicholas is Nicholas is more eight, ten, I think. huh. He could but he's more he's he's more visionary. His yeah. his idol is Pogba. He try to play MLA Pogba. That's kind of his his demeanor when college coaches ask him that they can like, Yeah, I can see, I can see why. Cool. Um you have yeah, tendencies like you're trying to do what he does. Um Cameron is a striker. Yeah, the twins, it's still early. It's yeah. still early for them. Yeah. They're twelve same thing they're tall still growing into themselves um so who knows where they're going to be but they could do that yeah. they could be
0: i mean obviously you're a reggae boy cameron now i i assume nicholas will be leaning into that soon is there any thought of maybe wanting to to have them play in the american system for for the u.s
1: yeah so 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 cameron is a th- Third generation in our family Simmons to play for. My dad did, my dad's brother did, now I did, and Cameron. Wow. Nicholas back from the U17 World Cup qualifier with Jamaica, um, and it's funny you asked because I just we were just talking to my wife, um, and she asked me the same thing. I'm like, listen, I'm here to do what's best for my kids. Whatever opportunity comes, that it fits, and I see that that's that's the best thing for them. We'll go with it. I'm not biased to one or the other. I mean, I'm. You know, all my kids are American. You know, we love America. This is this is our home. So we root for U.S. is my second team. If Jamaica is not playing, U.S. is my team. So on all our teams. So obviously, it would be a huge honor again to be able to play for a senior national team at any level with any country. But the U.S. would be we would not. Obviously, we're very open. We're Americans. Kids are Americans. So, and again, no, we're. We're open to whatever is best for you know, them at that time.
0: I usually pick a theme for every podcast towards the end of the podcast, uh, just based on our conversation. And uh, honestly, like this was not premeditated at all, just based on talking to you. You know, this biggest theme of this is is parenting, going out and doing what's best for your kids. So, um, you know, as a father, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate that uh, that wisdom from you. There's an opportunity in the gold cup. For Jamaica to uh, get to the final and possibly U.S. as well and play. So who you think you'll be rooting for?
1: Okay, now that's the question. If Jamaica's playing the U.S., yeah. all Jamaica. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. When that comes to Jamaica, is my first love, U.S. second. Yeah. But if they meet together in the finals, 100%. We all wear in Jamaica jerseys for sure.
0: I ain't no mad question. at that. I ain't mad at that. Well, father, coach. Player, everything right here, Mr. Greg Simmons. I appreciate you joining me on this podcast. For the viewers listening, in, like, where where can they find you? Where can they find Own Touch Soccer? What's what's the best place to come figure out how to develop?
1: Yeah, so Own Touch um, actually, it's it's we have the Instagram, which is Own Touch Soccer, um, and then on, on the website Own But yeah, we're there, man. It's it's and then futsal also. Uh, we didn't talk much about futsal, but you know it's FutsalRVA.com. The website and um, an IG is Futsal RBA. Uh, so, yeah, you can find us there.
0: Watch out for Cameron Simmons playing for the Rigged Girls in the Women's World Cup. Thanks for listening in. Anywhere you're catching this, please make sure you hit that subscribe button, especially on YouTube. It is the EPB podcast, and we will catch you guys later.